Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Wow. Man, the presence of God is here this morning, I tell you. It's phenomenal. Well, as Pastor Minister was saying, Christian is down in Victoria in Bendigo at the History Makers Conference, and we just want to pray that he's blessed, that he's being a blessing, that God would just use him to minister powerfully and that he'll, he'll bring him home in one piece to his family and to our family, that is C3 Noosa, amen. And so this morning, I want to talk to you a little around the theme that we have for this month, and that is God is. And for a lot of us, God is probably, you know, many different things at different times in our life, but I really feel that for the season and time specifically that we're in now as a church, God is your Redeemer. God is by His very nature a redemptive God. He's a God that will take brokenness in your world and he'll begin to restore it. You know, he's a God that can take the ashes in your life and he can replace it for beauty. And I believe that as we we step into a new season in our church, I really feel that God is going to start to really begin to set people free. You know, he's going to begin to show us what he can do with the people that are released in their full capacity and their full potential in Christ. You know, as we move into the second year, uh, you know, we've just had 12 months, we're going to the next 12 months of being C3 Noosa, I feel like God is preparing to unleash us as a body of Christ out into the community in a greater capacity. You know, I feel like he's about to unleash his spirit on on, our our surrounding suburbs and our neighborhoods in a much bigger capacity, and what it's going to begin to do is bring transformation into the lives of people. It's going to start bringing healing into the lives of our community, but what it's going to do is proceed literally, I believe, hundreds of lives and hundreds of families coming back into the house of God. Amen. Luke 4.18 says, It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this coming year, I really believe that that scripture is going to start becoming an anthem in the heart of a lot of our people. But who knows that if we've been called to proclaim freedom to those in our community, we need to experience God's freedom in our own life. Yeah? If we have been called to proclaim the good news to others, if we're going to witness the recovery of sight to the blind and see those released from oppression, then we as a body need to be transformed. We need to be released by the redemptive and restorative love of God. We need to be a people as, as the house of God that know him that are familiar and have experienced a supernatural touch from heaven. Because the deal is that when you experience Jesus, you experience the truth. You will encounter a, a power in your life that by its very nature is transforming. That when it touches, it touches you, you will be changed. There's no room for maybe. You are changed. And it is a power that has the ability to set you free from chains and set you free from, from bondage. You know, John 8.32 says this. It says that, Then you will know the truth... And the truth will set you free. And so I guess, you know, right from the beginning, before God even laid the foundations of this world, he, he, he knew. He looked into the future and he could see that one day his creation would need a saviour. You know, that in and of ourselves, we weren't going to make it. You know, we were going to fall short of the glory of God. And through the choices that we would make on our own accord, we would eventually separate ourselves from a relationship with him. And so God purposed way back then that he was already going to be a God that would redeem us. Yep. He was already going to be a God that would restore us before he had even made us. And so we know that 2,000 years ago, that restoration came in the form of a man, Jesus, 
God's son, who was born into this world. You know, the Bible calls him a spotless. He was blameless in the eyes of God, but he went to the cross for you and I that we would be redeemed and that we would actually be brought back into relationship with God. Yep. And I guess what I want to encourage you guys in this morning is the whole motivation for God taking his son to the cross for you and I was purely because he loves you, that he loves you with such a passionate love. The Bible says that when he looks upon us, he calls us his beloved, that we are his children, the very apple of, of his eye. And in Romans 8.38, it says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this morning I want to tell you that God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. You cannot change the fact that God loves you with such a passionate, passionate love. You know, he loved you before he formed you. Nothing you have done, nothing that you may be doing, nothing that you will ever do will make God love you any less. His love for you is absolutely perfect. And the very nature of God's love is that it is redemptive, that it is restorative. When it comes into your world, it'll find whatever it is that is broken and it will begin to recover it, it'll begin to restore it. You know, and I want to ensure you, you know, there's such a message that is on my heart this morning for, for our people that there is no past that is too dark and there is no sin that is too great and there is nothing that you have done, no shame or guilt too heavy, that God cannot restore you and redeem you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? You know, when God looks at your life, he's always at the ready. He's always waiting. It's like that Holy Spirit is hovering over your circumstances and your, your life situations, waiting for an opportunity to restore you and redeem you. And contrary to what the enemy would have you believe, God is not a God that tallies up all our faults and failures. He doesn't make a list up of everything we've done wrong and then wait for an opportunity to use it against us or to condemn us. I want to tell you this morning that God, in fact, is a God that would desire above everything else intimate relationship with you and I. He's a God that wipes away all sin from memory. The Bible says that when we stand before him, he washes us as white as snow, that we can stand before him redeemed, not through anything we've done, but through Jesus Christ, yeah? God is a God who is so merciful. He doesn't just forgive us once, but he continually forgives and forgives and forgives in and through his grace and his mercy for us, yeah? And I guess the problem is that so often we don't allow ourselves to connect with that redeeming love of God. You know, so often somewhere along our journey, we've been mistreated, we've been hurt, we've been disappointed, we've been let down. You know, somewhere along the journey that we all walk, we've maybe made some pretty bad choices, and now to protect ourselves maybe from some of those choices, we've hardened the heart. You know, we've shut ourselves off. We've stepped back. We've kind of thought to ourselves or convinced ourselves, if I can just hide away or ignore the damage that's been done in my life, then maybe over time, as long as people can't see it, maybe over time, things will get better. Time will heal it. Well, I want to get a bit real with you this morning, church, and say, really, you know what? For those of you that have been carrying burdens for maybe many years, time doesn't heal much. The truth is this morning that only God heals. It is only through the transformative and life-giving power of the Holy Spirit that we are set free from chains in our lives, yeah? And see, what happens is that when we harden our hearts, 
often what we do is we harden in that heart that shame or the guilt or the hurt or the pain, and we end up carrying it in our life. And as we carry it in our life, we harden our hearts. We don't allow Christ to come in to soften us, to begin to set us free. And so we become this dysfunctional person. We become this person that's carrying so much. And all it is is that we are in need of such divine repair, but somehow we just never are able to lay hold of it in our life. But I want to tell you something this morning, church. You know, God loves you, especially in that point of your brokenness. When you feel that the weight of the world is upon your shoulders and it has flattened you on the floor, when you cannot walk another step and you are really at the limit in who you are, I want to tell you that it is in that place that God braces to do a wondrous working power in your life. And so I want to look at two characters quickly this morning in the Bible that experienced this very wondrous redemptive work of God. So the first is King David. And if you have your Bibles, I would love you to turn with me to 2 Samuel 12. 15, and I guess I want to just put a bit of context around what I want to say this morning on King David. So here we find that King Saul is dead. David has risen to take his rightful place as king of Israel. He was king of Judah, now he's taken the throne as king of Israel. And God has basically cemented him in his favor and in his blessing and in his love. And really, there's nothing David can do wrong at the moment. You know, all that the Philistines are being defeated, all the tribes that sit, stand before Israel in their land are being overthrown. And basically, the kingdom of Israel is expanding. And God is giving David great favor and great peace. He's anointed him and called him for that task of leading his people. But there we have this evening. Everyone say one evening. One evening. Ah, David. David, David, David. One bleak evening. David is walking on the walls of his palace in the cool, calm evening. And he just for a moment turns his focus and there's Bathsheba having a bath on the roof. Because that's what we all do. We bath on the roof. So there's Bathsheba having a bath on the roof. And the Bible says that she was incredibly beautiful to behold. A very, very beautiful woman. So... I want you to work with me. You don't have to be a theological scholar to know that all of a sudden David's in a whole lot of trouble, yeah? Can all the men say amen in the room? Yep, David's in a bit of trouble. So if we fast forward that story, David basically takes Bathsheba to be his own. He sleeps with her, she conceives, and now David's trying to cover up the fact that Bathsheba's pregnant by him. So he thinks, well, if I can get Uriah, her her husband, back to to her and and get him drunk and get him happy, he's going to go home and do what they do, and all of a sudden it's going to be his kid, but Uriah's got a lot of integrity and honor, and he won't do that for the sake of his men being in battle. And so David thinks, well, now I'm going to have to try something else. I'll get him killed in battle, which he succeeds at doing. And at the end of all of that, David kind of puts that to the side and thinks, well, I'm going to get on with doing what God's called me to do, and hopefully over time that will just be something in the past. But who knows that God's, you know, doesn't work that way, unfortunately. And so God sees what David's done, and so he speaks through Nathan, a prophet at the time, who challenges David, and God basically says through Nathan to David, David, what you have done before me has greatly displeased me. David, I see what you've done, and I'm not impressed, and as a consequence of that, I'm going to take the life of that child that's born to you, Baba Sheba, and I'm not only going to do that, I'm going to take the sword out of your hand that you'll never again enter battle, and for a time, I'm even going to take the kingdom off you. And so we pick up in 12.15, after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. And David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted, and he spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused. He would not eat any food with them. And I want to say this morning that this is a picture of a broken man. 
Here is David lying in sackcloth night after night on the ground, tears continually streaming from his face. He wouldn't eat. He wouldn't drink. All he is doing is begging and pleading and asking God to be merciful for the life of his little baby child that is now in jeopardy because of the silly choices that he's made. And I have no doubt that what would have seemed like never-ending nights of darkness and never-ending nights of despair, David would have felt overwhelmingly these feelings of guilt and shame and probably playing back in his mind, man, what went wrong? What happened? How could things go bad so quickly? You know, one moment I'm walking on the walls of my palace, I'm blessed, I'm favored, I'm called of God. The next, I'm begging him not to take the life of a child that's been born to me out of adultery. And I want you to get your head around the fact that God had called David as a man after his own heart. God had selected him aside and anointed him for the purpose of leading and shepherding his people, Israel. Yet here he is on the floor with the weight of his sin on his shoulders, the weight of what he had done on his shoulders. And I can tell you now that those feelings of confusion and loneliness would have been insurmountable on David at that time. And so the scripture goes on and it says that on the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him the child was dead for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him that this child is dead? He may do something desperate. And David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Now I want you to follow me on this church. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. And herein lies the beauty of God's redemptive power and that it will meet you at the point in your life where you make a decision in your heart by faith to lift yourself up from the floor, to lift your hands before a God who loves you and start worshiping him. But I want to tell you this morning, worship him despite the condition of your life right now. Worship him even though he may not be answering your prayers. Worship him even if you're not where you want to be in your life. Because can I tell you that when you come before God surrendered, you desire him and only him and lift your hands and just begin to worship, then that restorative power can be unlocked in your life as you respond and you draw near to God. You see, David draws himself up on the floor, not from a place of joy or peace or contentment with God. He draws himself up from the the floor out of a place of great angst in his heart. Because here he is having begged and wept and pleaded and fasted before God for the, the life of his son, his firstborn son, and it's almost like God doesn't hear it and his son is taken from him and he dies. And you know, despite that being the wages for David's sin, there was a moment in David's life where he could have risen up and cursed God because of what God seemed to be so merciless, so cruel, and he could have stormed out of that place with a bitterness in his spirit and said, God, you know what, if that's what you're about, forget it. And I'm going to push back against your rule, and I'm going to push back against your sovereignty over Israel and over my life. But, you know, thank God, David didn't do that. It says, as we read further, that his attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Now again, I want you to watch this. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her, and she gave birth to a second son. 
and they named him Solomon, and the Lord loved him. And this is the amazing thing about God, because out of that place of despair and hopelessness, out of that brokenness and a whole lot of mess, God still has the ability to create something significant in your life. He can still create something in your world that he declares he loves. You know, and here's David, knowing Bathsheba a second time. He's again sleeping with a woman that's not really his. So why all of a sudden is the fruit from that now pleasing to God? Well, I believe it's because now David's heart attitude was different. Now David's heart was full of worship, whereas before it was full of lust. David had done his time. You know, David had been on the floor under God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness. He had paid a price, but he made a decision to get up off the floor, come before God with a surrendered heart. He made a decision not to harden his heart, but to leave it open. And as he came before God with his hands lifted, he said, Father, you know, despite my pain, despite my loss, despite my brokenness, you're still God. You're still God. And you know what? I still desire you. I still want you in my world. I still want you in my life. You know, and isn't it interesting that out of that place of restored relationship with David, we have Solomon through which we get the bloodline of Christ, the one, the Son of God, that came into the world to save it. You know, and I said before that before the foundations of the world were laid, God had already a plan in place to redeem and bring back to himself you and I. And that redemption came through one man's decision to get himself off the floor, lift his hand before God despite his brokenness, and to say, God, I love you. I want to worship you, yeah? You know, there are people here this morning, and I want to tell you something to get a bit deeper, and that is that you've done your time. You paid the price. You know, you've endured your season on the floor, and I believe that God would tell you this morning that your nights of, of darkness and your nights of loneliness and your nights of confusion are coming to an end because there's a new hope arising in your life that the light of God's redemptive power would just start to be dawning on your horizon. And I want to tell you and encourage you this morning that now is the time to pick yourself up off the floor, lift your hands before a God who loves you, get a new song in your spirit and begin to worship him and watch what he will do in your life. The season for you to be on the floor is over. You have done your time. You do not need to be on the floor anymore, yeah? Psalm 71, 20 says this, Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. Lozzie, can I just get you and you alone maybe just to come up and just um, jump on the, on the keys for me? That would be great. I want to I share with you another story really quickly in, um, in Luke seven thirty six. And it says this, that when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. You know, and so often we can deny that restorative love of God and that power of God because we have a very real fear in our life that we don't know if we can face what might surface if we allow God to look inside. 
we don't know if we can handle maybe the onslaught of emotion that would come if we had to just open our hearts and soften ourselves to God. I don't know if I can face what's maybe been down inside of me for so long. You know, and so often just like this woman, you get the labels put on you, yeah? You get the labels that society, that family, that colleagues, that friends place on you and you start living behind labels, not ever realizing that there's a hope or an opportunity to come out from behind the label and really start living the life God intended for you to live. But you know, I believe that God wrote this woman's story on the pages of time for those of you and I that face that, real, that very real fear. You see, because here is a woman who's living in sin. She's a prostitute. She's been cast aside. She's been rejected. She's been alienated and forgotten about by society. And in the culture of that day, that included her family, that included her friends, those she was once close to. And now the only company that she knows is from men that want to use her and want to abuse her or from women that are wearing that same label. But she hears about this man named Jesus who's come into a village. And apparently he has the power to forgive sins and to wipe away reproach. He's a, a rabbi, they're saying, is full of love and grace and mercy. And some are even calling him the son of God. And she thinks to herself, you know what, if there is any way, if there is any way, if there is any hope of me being set free from this condition, being set, from, set free from the circumstance, if there is any way or any hope that I can leave this life of ugliness and low self-worth, then you know what, maybe I need to go and meet this Jesus. Maybe I need to go see what he's all about. You know, and it's right in that place in her life that her heart is responding it's right in that point in her life that she lifts her eyes and she says, you know what? I don't have any other options. There are no other answers in my life that are going to satisfy my condition. So you know what? I'm going to go after this Jesus and see maybe he's got the answers I need. Maybe he will satisfy my condition. You see, and in that place, there's a seed of transformation that's been sown into her world. And it's the same seed of transformation that was sown into King David's life as he made a decision to pick himself up off that floor and worship God in his brokenness. You know, church, I believe today that that same seed of transformation can be put into your life if you will just respond in your heart to hang on with everything that you got left in your life, to make a decision in your world to say, you know what, I'm going to chase down this person they're calling Jesus. And I'm going to worship him despite what I'm standing in right now. No matter how deep I am in the mud, I'm going to make a decision to lift my hands and to worship him. And can I tell you, if you would make that decision in your heart, I believe that that seed of transforming power will begin to work in your life. I believe that all of a sudden God would start to do a restorative work over any situation that you face as we worship him. And so this woman, she takes all she has, she takes everything that she counts valuable, and she goes to this Pharisee's house. And as there before her, as she slips in the back door, not wanting to be noticed, sits Jesus. And feeling so low and unworthy, she can't even approach him face to face. She creeps up from behind him, and I believe that as she gets almost within touching distance of Jesus, she's overwhelmed by his presence. All of a sudden, she finds herself overshadowed in this divine love and this grace and this mercy from a father that she's never known. And I think right at that point in her life, everything that she was was exposed. Every hurt, 
every fear, every rejection, every abuse was brought into contrast against the light of God's majesty and the sheer weight and conviction in that place would have broken open her heart and all she could do was fall at the feet of Jesus. And the only thing she could pull out from herself, the only thing that she had left in a body that was full of sin was just to worship him, just to let the tears come and just worship him. Maybe somehow this man was going to become her savior that day, yeah? You know, some of you may be feeling the same, that you're so sick of carrying burdens from past and present, but at the same time, you don't feel worthy to come before God who loves you. Sometimes even embarrassed, what would he think if I lay bare my life at his feet? But I want you to look at me and I want you to listen to me this morning, church. This woman did not come to Jesus clean. This woman did not come to Jesus having already been forgiven. This woman had not left a life of sin when she came to Jesus. She hadn't said a salvation prayer. She hadn't asked for things to be made right. She came to Jesus in her brokenness. She came to Jesus in a life that in her hands was a mess, that was going nowhere, that was ugly. She just came to Jesus and she laid it at his feet and she said, Father, all I can do is worship you. All I can do is worship you. And you know what? That is the beauty of redemption. Jesus calling you and I just as we are. If we would say to him, Father, you know what? I just desire you. I come to you. I'm weak. But you know what? I trust in your strength. I trust in your strength. And I feel that God would say, if you would just count the cost and pour out on my feet every fear and every failure, then I promise you this, not one tear will be wasted. Not one tear will be wasted. You know, and sometimes there is pain to be felt in the process of God's restoration. But I want to encourage you this morning, don't run from it. I want to encourage you this morning, just surrender into it. Make yourself vulnerable in the presence of God, even if it is just for a moment, because all God needs is but a moment to take those ashes in your life and turn them into something beautiful. All he needs is just a moment of you at the feet of Jesus to totally transform and redeem whatever it is that you're carrying in your life, yeah? And so Jesus turns towards this woman and says to the Pharisee, Simon, Simon, do you see this woman? You know, Jesus sees you. He actually sees you. And for a lot of people, you feel that nobody sees you. You feel invisible. You feel, you know what, if I had to, and let's just be honest, if I had to take a ticket out of here right now, who's going to care? Does anybody really care about my life and what I'm going through? Is anyone really prepared to help me? Is anyone really prepared to walk with me? Who cares? Can I tell you, God cares. God cares. His eyes are on you continually. He sees past the labels. He sees past the mess and the brokenness. And all he sees, all God sees is a precious son and a precious daughter. He sees a life that is absolutely worth redeeming, a life that is absolutely worth restoring. And so he says to this Pharisee, Simon, I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You don't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You do not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. 
Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, sometimes the only way for God to pull us out of dysfunction, the only way for God to get us out of the darkness and into his glorious light is to allow us to endure circumstances in our life that sometimes leave us broken and they sometimes leave us weak. And it's not because God is a masochist and it's not because he enjoys the pain of his people, but he wants clay that is soft and pliable in his hands. He wants a clay that is totally surrendered to the master potter that when he comes into your life and he begins to press in on you, you would move with him. You would stay always close, but you would allow him to restore you and rebuild you and form you and fashion you into your God-given purpose, yeah? You know, God is in this place this morning, and it was just such a message heavy on my heart for some people here this morning because you know what? The truth is the church doesn't need, or the world doesn't need, sorry, a church that is full of dysfunctional Christians, people that have accepted the brokenness and kind of have become anesthetized to what they're carrying and their burdens that they carry. God desires so much that you and I would be set free, that we would encounter a God, and as we do, we're changed forever by the power of his love on our life, and that we would shout out, our life would shout out in witness to others, Jesus, you are my redeemer. You know, God would have us take that same miracle-working power that we experience in our life and take it out into a dying world that so desperately needs it. You see, my point this morning, church, is this, that it's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, declares the Lord, that I will redeem you and I will restore you. If you will respond in your heart to surrender all to me, if you will really take a chance and just believe that God is bigger, is really bigger than anything you face right now in your world, if you will make a decision in your heart by faith to pick yourself up off the floor no matter how dark it seems, no matter how much you're hurting, and just lift your hands and say, God, I don't have all the answers. I come to you weak, but God, you know what? You are my God, and I still desire you. You are my God, and I know that if I come before you completely surrendered, then you will do a work in my life that I cannot do on my own. I want to tell you this morning that God is your redeemer. God is your restorer. God is always looking for opportunity in your life to take whatever it is that is broken and make it whole because he wants a generation of people that are walking free in Christ, that are empowered and enabled by his spirit to bring the love of Jesus into a world. But you know what? Today's the day to stop believing the lies the enemy has told you. You do not have to stay on that floor anymore. Yeah? Why don't we stand this morning? And I want to I, I just start bringing this to a close, and I want to bring this scripture. And it's in Joel 2.25, and it says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locust, the young locust, the other locust, and the locust swarm, the great army that I have sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again 
will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. God is your redeemer. God is a God that can restore to you lost dreams and lost desires. And for some of you, you've looked over your shoulder and not only desires and dreams, but you feel like years have been lost to you. It's almost like you've stood on the sideline, helplessly watching as locusts have come in and taken away years that were supposed to be the best years of your life, but they're gone. You know, this morning I believe that God wants to start repaying you for some of those years that have been lost to you. And you're going to know that God is at work in your life because he's not just going to do a work, he's going to do a wondrous work. And some of you have situations and circumstances and you're living in a condition that desperately needs a wonder-working power from God. And I want to give place and time this morning to pray and stand with you and believe that from today, God is going to begin to restore you. God is going to begin to redeem you. God is going to begin to release you into the purpose that he has created you to be. Today, I want to take a stand against the enemy in your life and say no longer do you need to accept the accusations that come from the enemy. You are a child of the Most High God. You walk with an inheritance upon your life. God has come that you would have life and have it in abundance. The season for you to be in darkness and in mourning and on the floor is coming to an end. And there is a new hope that God wants to place in amongst your world if you will allow him this morning, church. So I just want to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. And I want to stand with you today. Because God loves you. Whatever it is, whatever brokenness, whatever mess, whatever chains have been around you, I want to tell you that our God is greater. And I want to tell you this morning that our God, in but a moment, can start to restore you and redeem you. The Bible says to us that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you, Father. So just while Ozzy's playing, I just want us to stay in a place of worship. Church, today's your day. God is your redeemer. Do not stay on the floor anymore. Today is the day to get a new song in your spirit to begin to worship him. Lift your hands and worship a God who loves you with such a furious love that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So just while we're in this place of worship, if there's anyone here this morning that says, Justin, you know what? I want you to take a stand with me. Today's the day that I want God's restorative power to begin to work in my life. Today's the day that I want that seed of transformation planted in my life, that I'm sick of carrying brokenness. I'm sick of carrying this baggage. I'm sick of being living a lie. I'm being told lies by the enemy. Today, I want to start again. I want to be set free. I want to be renewed. I want to be restored in Jesus' name that I can do all things that he has said I can do. If that is you this morning, can I just ask you to come down the front and I would love to pray with you. I want to stand with you and just pray over you that God will begin to work in your life. 
I don't want you to harden your heart this morning, church. I want you to keep it open. I want you to come down the front. If you just make a decision by faith, then I believe that as I stand with you, God is going to pour out on your life such an amazing love, such an amazing peace. Father, we thank you this morning that you are our redeemer. God, I thank you that you are looking to redeem the lives of your people. God, and I thank you that today is the day that we draw that line in the sand and we say no more. Father, I thank you that every person standing in the house of God this morning will be released and set free. They would walk in freedom knowing who they are in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you that you are stirring a new song in the heart of your people this morning. God, I thank you that who you set free is free indeed. God, and I thank you for miracles this morning. God, I thank you that you are opening heaven this morning. Upon every life here, God, I thank you no sin too great, no past too shameful that you cannot redeem and restore it this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you, Father. You know, some of you may be here this morning and you're not too sure about this person they call Jesus. Maybe you've never met him. Maybe you're not quite sure what I'm talking about. But you know what? This Jesus loves you. And if you've been searching in your heart like that woman, you can't find the answers that will satisfy. You have no more room and options in your life. Can I just say that Jesus does. That he went to the cross for your life and my life because he loves you. And that if you would come by faith and open your heart before the Son of God, he will come in and restore you. You know what, I don't, I don't want to rush this. I want to leave the altar open this morning because I really feel that there are people here that are wrestling with that, saying, God, you know what, I've carried so much in my life. I've even been made to believe that it's okay to have it. Just baggage, that's part of who I am. Can I tell you, it's not part of who you are. Who you are is the son and daughter of the Most High God, and you, you should walk in power. You should walk in freedom. You should know that he is for you and not against you. You do not have to accept the lies of the enemy. Today is a day. Now is an opportunity. So just as we worship, I'm just going to stand here. I just want to leave this open. And if you feel that God is just knocking on the heart, you just feel someone's pulling at the heartstrings. You're going, man, I just can't shake this. I just can't shake this. Can I ask you to come down? I want to stand with you. I want to pray with you that the love of God would overshadow you this morning church God is your redeemer God is your redeemer he desires to set you free in Jesus name church why don't we just lift our hands in worship this morning doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter what you're going through, stand and worship him this morning, church, he is worthy, he is still God.
Jesus' name. Come, Father, Holy Spirit. Thank you. this morning as I said I don't want to rush away from this opportunity you know the spirit of God is in this place and I want to just push in one more time and say to you it doesn't matter what's been carried on your life you never have to be embarrassed or fearful to come before the king of kings and lord of lords just as that woman if you would come and lay at the feet of Christ he can forgive he can restore, he can redeem. And I'm just going to hang around the front this morning. And if you want to come down and just say, just, can you just pray for me? Just pray. I'd love to. I'd be honored to do that. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.